today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The impacts of the pandemic are going to be far-reaching, and uh, it's going to be a long, long time before we kind of get back on our feet in so many different areas. We've talked about the impact it's had on the economy. Uh, and that's the for-profit businesses and so many small businesses that have been impacted. Uh, but what about the nonprofit? which is a very important part of, of the Hamilton community, the London community, every community uh, especially, and uh, they have been hit too. The Ontario Nonprofit Network uh, is uh, now engaged in nonprofit community researchers to conduct a survey of Ontario nonprofits. The focus was on the experience of nonprofits during the pandemic, and in particular the state of their operations in 2021. Uh, the numbers are uh, concerning, uh, and, and the reality here of, of the, the scenario that they're trying to survive in is also somewhat disturbing. Joining us to talk about it is Kathy Taylor, Executive Director of the Ontario Nonprofit Network. Uh, Kathy, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Bill. Happy to be here. Well, I wish the news was better. Uh, the, the concern here, of course, is during a pandemic and the and, and so the troubling times that we've had over the last 17 months, invariably the need for nonprofits and the services provided by nonprofits increases, uh, which puts an awful lot of pressure on you, and uh, it, it comes down to money to a certain extent, doesn't it? You know, it really does. It actually comes down to money and people. Uh, yeah. You know, we heard in this, we surveyed 3,000 nonprofits and charities, and we heard that they, so many reported an increase in demand for programs and services, and at the same time reported losses of revenue. Uh, so that equation just doesn't add up. Which puts you in a precarious position. Uh, you're there because you want to be able to help communities, uh, and there's a lot more need for that because of the, some of the, the pressure that people found themselves in, employment-wise, health-wise, a number of other things. Uh, but without the government assistance, uh, which is so important for these situations uh this is what happens of course you're going to find yourself in a precarious financial position i know i know the government response to that kathy is going to say oh we did help we had this program and this program and this program mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. but what i'm hearing from a number of nonprofits in this area is we didn't know that they're doing if those programs existed we'll take them at their word that they do they're not doing a very good job of promoting them yeah i totally agree though and we heard that loud and clear as well um, so we heard that the lion's share of support from, from any federal or provincial program came from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. And so about a third of organizations with paid staff um, were able to access that. But almost 7 out of 10 did not receive any provincial supports at all. And if you were a small organization, that rose to 8 out of 10. And then a lot of times they didn't know about it. It wasn't marketed or shared with nonprofits that they were eligible for small business programs or they were too complicated or complex for, for small organizations to imply, apply. So it was a really fragmented approach. Um, and almost, you know, all of the organizations that we talked to, 70% did not benefit from any provincial or federal programs at all. And, and therein lies the problem. The governments can't just initiate a policy. And I give them credit for trying to do this kind of on the fly because, you know, we didn't know what was going on from one week to the next with the pandemic. And the government was doing their level best, I suppose, to try to offer assistance and what they could. Uh, but you've got to reach out to communities and, 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 and to let them know that these things are available. I mean, 7 out of 10 can't even access or couldn't access or were not able to access these programs. Uh, you can't call that program a success then because it didn't reach the people that really needed it the most. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, 
you know, I think what we're finding is that because um, the small business community, agricultural community, you know, other industries have a minister or a home and government that gives that, you know, really pays attention to them. The nonprofit sector doesn't. We don't have a minister responsible for the nonprofit sector, in, in, provincially or federally. So that leads to that fragmented approach of who's, you know, who really is taking care of this sector. You know, a little bit of arts funding over here, a little bit of sports funding here, a little bit of social service funding. Um, but what we really need is that cohesive strategy because, of course, all of all nonprofits and charities work to support their communities, whatever their mission is, you know, mm-hmm. a wonderful trail or a fantastic arts program or seniors visiting. Um, and we really need them to be strong. And in fact, when, you know, when the province reopens this Friday, communities and citizens are going to expect that all of their nonprofits and charities are going to open and suddenly have, you know, recreation open and after school programs and day camps open and, and museums. And, and some of them aren't going to be able to turn it around that quickly. Well, we've talked and been very concerned about the fact that when this happens on Friday and, the, and we open, that a lot of those places that we expect to reopen, you know, restaurants and places like that, just may not do it because you know, the businesses have walked away. But nobody thought about your sector. And, and just as you mentioned, you know, when the government is finally saying, look, you know, now that we're into recovery, here's a little money to this arts group, here's a little money to this group. You, you guys, there's got to be a, a little party of it that says, hey, what about us? Hey, hey, yeah. we're over here. Hey, let's government. Look at us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think all levels of government have had their hands full. For, you know, I agree with you. It's been a tough, tough time to figure out and do public policy and all these funding things on the fly and as quickly as possible. Um, but certainly we feel that there hasn't been attention on this important part of the sector. And, you know, the nonprofit and charitable sector in Ontario contributes $65 billion to GDP, more than the agricultural and automotive industries. And so we, we hire people, we provide services, we buy stuff. Um, and the combination of, you know, that, that we can actually contribute to the growing of the economy in the recovery. So, you know, we need some of those early investments and support. Um, on top of, uh, you know, on top of uh, actually also meeting people. The, you know, the other thing that happened, we heard in the survey, was a massive number of volunteers lost during the crisis, and it's going to take us time to get those volunteers back. Do governments understand that, that you're actually going to be part of the, of the process here, of the recovery process? I mean, you want to recover your, yourself, obviously, but the other element to this is an awful lot of other people and an awful lot of other businesses are going to be relying on, on non-profits to, as, a, as a support for them. And uh, right now, that's rather precarious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, frankly, uh, we think it's, the needs are going to get higher. So just because we're starting to reopen doesn't need the need for mental health services, for food banks, for children's programs is going to lower or stabilize. It's actually going to increase. So we're going to see an increase of need over the next 18 months, two years, you know, at a time when maybe the pandemic and, you know, the purse strings aren't going to be as open in terms of, you know, we're slightly out of the crisis. So it's actually, you know, we're quite concerned it's going to be more precarious and you know, one in three people uh, or nonprofits in our survey said that they're not going to be financially sustainable past the next 12 months. Like that's that tens, that's thousands of nonprofits in Ontario that citizens rely on every day. Well, the statistic that jumped out of me uh, to underscore that, Kathy, was that uh, 77% of social service organizations experienced increase in demand, as you told us, but only 36% received any emergency community support money. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge gap huge gap and you know part of that gap was filled by generous donations from local 
businesses that were running, uh, local people that, you know, had some extra income. So certainly, you know, there was some local foundations, local individuals that helped to fill that gap, but it's still a significant gap. Um, And we've certainly seen a huge loss in revenue at a time when organizations uh, actually needed more funding to provide more services. I, I, we're looking at this from the you know up top here and, uh, on a much wider basis, but I want to talk about a couple of specific areas because and try to connect the dots here. We talked about during the pandemic and some of the spikes and some of the lockdowns. We talked about hot areas and and hot zones, and you know these people seem to be more uh, at risk than others. Uh, places like Peel Region come to mind because that was always in there, and York Region, and Hamilton was there for a while, and so was London. We we've all had our turn there, sadly. Uh, which puts, I would imagine, an awful lot of pressure on the on the nonprofits in those communities. Absolutely, and in fact, you know, we the nonprofits in the communities were some of the first folks that said, "We have a problem here." You know, we need to put more attention to our communities. They were the, you know, the the early fire, you know, smoke signals, if you will, in their local communities to let governments know what was going on, and so and and the pressure increased for them uh, to support their citizens uh, during that time. What we saw with the vaccination rollout was that it was nonprofits and community groups that really were the ones able to reach those folks that needed the vaccinations the most to get um, vaccinations to local community housing and uh, at-risk populations. And so that really made a, a turning point in the vaccination rollout. Um, and most of the, they did that without extra support, in many cases without extra funding, um, because they had the relationships at the local level. So absolutely, the pressure on nonprofits and charities during this pandemic at the ground level was, you know, extraordinary. And I guess, you know, that's the positive thing about this survey. We heard such amazing stories about resilience and organizations that did creative things because they were so focused on meeting their, you know, meeting the needs of their communities. We also heard through the course of the pandemic that uh, the pandemic was more severe for some than others, women particularly, we know yeah. that, uh, but also minorities, uh, blacks, yeah. indigenous people, and, and people of color uh, were negatively impacted to a much greater extent than the the, the, uh, the average population, uh, which means that there's pressure on those nonprofits to try to accommodate those people. And I go again, I go back to the government programs, and I know that they're trying to roll these out as quickly as possible, uh, but you know, in when you're doing it quickly like that, there's probably an argument to be made that they didn't probably do as enough research as they should have to understand exactly where that money should go. Absolutely. And one of our recommendations um, from in this report after hearing from, from organizations was that new funds need to be targeted to specifically to nonprofits and grassroots groups that serve communities that suffered the most. So black and other racialized communities, First Nations, Inuit and Métis communities. We need to put the money where the services are needed the most and where the communities need the most help. Um, and now we, ha- we, we do have time. Like there is, I, you know, I'm still optimistic uh, there is time to, you know, target those supports and help and help those organizations and their communities. Do you have a voice? Is, is there somebody listening at Queen's Park, somebody listening in Ottawa to say, yeah, you know what, we, we, we could do better in that sector. We've got to do better there. I mean, there's got to be some political support and some political will. And, and you know, just like small businesses, the Chamber of Commerce and some of the other businesses that advocate for them. I know you do a, a great job with your organization, the Ontario Nonprofit Network, but uh, you, you've got to get the attention of governments to say, look, at this, uh, this is uh, an issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right on, Bill. 
Um, you know, we've had over 50 meetings with uh, elected officials just in the last few months alone, as well as a dozen formal letters and reports. Um, you know, they are listening. We're talking to every political party, uh, uh, provincially and federally. We're getting having lots of great conversations. Um, but I, but there is a gap between those conversations and moving to action. And we're just not seeing um, the action and the targeted support for nonprofits and charities that uh, really needs to happen um, and sooner than later. I would imagine municipal governments play a role here. We, you know, we just talked about the importance of nonprofits in the community, and nobody would know better about the impact that they have, the positive impact they have than the municipalities themselves. Those are the, the property taxpayers and those in, in our cities and our communities and in our neighborhoods. Uh, you'd like to think that, uh, that municipal government can play a role, at least an advocacy role here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had a chance to talk to the Ontario Big City Mayor's uh, group uh, a few months ago, and we've kept in touch. And I think, you know, I feel for municipalities. There's going to be a lot of downloading of of, of uh, need and services that they're going to see at that, you know, really at the ground level um, as uh, as we recover and as, as we reopen. Um, they know more than anyone about the need for affordable housing and food security programs and, you know, environmental programs and trails. Um, so uh, their, their ability to, to fund is, of course, constrained because they're smaller and, and you know, just the way that the, the system works in terms of the, the tax system. Um, but they can be great advocates for nonprofits and charities. And even in small, what we've seen some really great examples in small municipalities where even though they had very little money, they did get try and get money out uh, and support, in-kind support, space um, out to nonprofits and charities to make sure that they survived. Well, I'd like to see a, a direct uh, impact here from both tribal and provincial governments. I know provincially, I mean, there is money available and there are some programs available, as you talked about, but as to whether or not they're accessible or even people know about that. But I mean, like the Ontario Petroleum Foundation, uh, which has been around for quite some time and, and could have been, I guess, did do some work here to try to help them. But, you know, there's got to be some direct work from the, the government here to say, look, at, let's let's open the doors here and make sure that people understand fully what's there and direct some of the funds in that direction, uh, which has got to be part of the, what's happening here. Uh, I, we're just about out of time, but I want to leave on a positive note here, Kathy, and uh, we've talked about some of the challenges that uh, that your organization and your members are facing right now. Uh, the good news is, though, uh, you're, you're still up and running. Uh, a lot of them only about 13%, I guess, uh, we're still able to go to full capacity. As you say, you've lost volunteers and a number of other things that hopefully is, is going to turn things around. But, uh, you know, when people need this uh, and knock on the door, uh, for the most part, you're going to be there and you're going to do everything possible to try to help. Absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, that I that really inspires me is that Ontario nonprofits, they've tackled this crisis with characteristic determination and optimism and there's been so many remarkable stories of what nonprofits have done to serve their communities, and they are still standing, and they are resilient. Um, but there are ways that we can, you know, help them more and give them, you know, a greater, you know, greater support so that they can even do more um, to serve our communities who are really going to need our support. Kathy, continued good luck with this. I'm glad you had some time to talk to us about this. We wanted to shine the light on this and uh, and and make sure, especially our elected officials, are aware of this and people in the community too, because uh, uh, the need is there. And as we said at the beginning of our conversation, uh, you guys are part of the solution, and uh, we need to make sure that you're going to be there and that you're going to be a, a viable entity. Uh, stay in touch and let us know what's going on. Okay. Thank you so much, Bill. Really appreciate your the chat this morning.
Thanks so much. Kathy Taylor, Executive Director for the Ontario Nonprofit Network. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.